because so many people have tons of points all over the place. Using AeroPlan from Amex is something that 90% of Amex people don't even know that they should do that versus with booking through Amex directly. We are going to come out with a product that's going to save people tons of time and give them the information that they need to actually get to their travel goals. This is Up in the Air, a show about travel adventures, frequent flying, and unique experiences we have along the way. I'm Ian Grimace, and in this episode, you'll hear about how Brian Kelly mastered credit card points and airline miles, became an authority on the travel industry, and started the Points Guide. How often do you bump into someone you know at the airport? I take 50 plus flights per year, and I guess it doesn't happen more than once every other year. Now imagine if no matter where in the world you are, at pretty much any airport lounge, you could find people who knew who you were. That's what life is like for my guest today, Brian Kelly, better known as the Points Guy. In 2010, he started a blog which has blossomed into a travel media company that teaches millions of people how to travel more and to travel better. And I'm one of those people. When I was applying for my first credit cards, I read as much as I possibly could about the process and how to use my points on their site. Fast forward about eight years and I found myself creating a video series with them called Have Points Will Travel, teaching people how to do the same. Obviously this year has made globetrotting difficult, but Brian still found a way to put his passport to work when he traveled to Croatia over the summer. I thought it was incredible. The only real thing that changed was the actual flight experience, which you know, I flew uh, Virgin's new business class over there and BA's new business class home. You know, I flew through I flew through the UK because, you know, in a worst case scenario, flights got canceled. Americans can still enter the UK um, as long as you go to a hotel and, and quarantine versus, you know, if you fly through Frankfurt and your flight's canceled, you know, you may be able to beg the border guard to let you through, but um, it's not as much of a a sure thing. So, I mean, I had friends who went through Frankfurt and, um, and Amsterdam with zero issues, but I always like to plan. And plus I had never tried out those new business class products. Um, so I figured it was a good chance to do that. But to be honest, once I was in Croatia, it was almost like time travel to pre pandemic times. Like no one wore masks, you know, in inside of a store you had to, but you know, outside you really didn't see anyone wearing them. Granted it wasn't, you know, super crowded. So even at the beach club in Havar, you know, you're still spaced out and you're outdoors. And, you know, I think everything we've heard, you know, as long as you're not in a party scene indoors, but of course it is, you know, it's just jarring for, as an American who wears a mask everywhere outside of my house in a way it was kind of nice, but it's, it's concerning to see Croatia's COVID numbers increase. It hasn't quite spiraled, but um, you know, it's, it's a cat and mouse game for sure. What went into your decision to take the trip, knowing the influence that you have in the travel world? Well, I think, you know, we need to, my, my personal stance is we can't just lock ourselves up for the next three years until there's a, maybe a vaccine that maybe people want to take. I think getting testing, having people understand the real ways that the virus gets transferred and taking precautions to, to not uh, put yourself in risky situations is going to be the way to go. But I'll be honest. I mean, I've had many existential moments of why is anyone traveling? And I get both sides of it for sure. Especially, you know, so many people have died. I'm not, I'm not trying to minimize the pandemic. So yeah, I do, I do have those moments, but bottom line, I mean, the travel industry supports many millions of people 
lifts people from poverty, connects the world. Totally. And I just believe in that. And I do believe the more people travel, the better they become. So I think showing people that, look, if you're healthy and you get tested and your risk level's low and, you know, you take the right precautions, I mean, it's most people are not dying from the virus, right? I don't recommend it for everyone. Certainly talk to your doctor, but I firmly believe. I think that's a sound. Yeah. I mean, if you're at a high risk level, don't travel or, you know, absolutely talk to your doctor. But for most people, you're healthy and you know how to get tested and you know the right precautions. Like you shouldn't be living your life in your basement waiting a couple of years. Time is money. Time is precious if there's anything we know. So I've traveled a couple of times all domestically during this. And I think the thing that still discourages me is just the idea of wearing a mask for 10, 12 hours. It just seems like it'd be so uncomfortable. Yeah. So and was it all right? Yeah, it's fine. I mean, I, you know, we have at TPG, we made masks. Uh, well, we worked with the vendor. They're adjustable. They're cotton. So they're really comfortable on your face. They're not pulling against you. And I'm, I'm a big guy. So I've had some masks that pull my ears forward that I, it's all about finding the right mask. But yeah, you know, I slept on the plane, um, you know, especially when you're flying business class in your own pod. And both of my flights were pretty empty. I think at one point my mask slipped off in the middle of the night as I'm sleeping in my pod, but no one would have even known. And I don't think it minimizes, you know, the, the HEPA filters on planes clean out the plane. I think the, the real issue is when you're jam packed in economy and coughing on someone that there is real risk there. But, you know, that's why I think yeah. using your miles to fly first or business class. Uh, and there's tons of availability. I flew saver level both ways. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's not great point. It's not it, it was not terribly uncomfortable. I'm really hoping right now I have a trip to Japan planned in November and it's probably going to be canceled, but I'm really hoping I can leave the country again at some point this, this year, but uh, we'll see if I can convince my wife to come with me. But um, well, you've got, I you, just want, you've got so many options. So why, why put all your chips on Japan? I mean, I, so I'm, I'm booking to go to French Polynesia, which is you know pretty close to the West coast and a bunch of Caribbean islands and, you know, Morocco actually just uh, announced today they're going to be reopening and Albania. So there's there's some cool places you can go. Is, is there a reason why you want just Japan? Well, it's mostly just a logistics thing. We, yeah. My wife and I were going with two friends of ours. And I also because I booked A&A first class with Virgin Points, uh, which, is, that is a sh- which was like the whole- that's a punch to the gut to lose. <laughs> exactly. It was so, it was so hard to book that. And um oh my gosh, I just got the perfect dates and everything. So it's going to kill me when I have to cancel it. But there's bigger problems in the world right now. But as like a, a young, healthy guy, do you have concerns over health reasons for traveling? Or is it more like logistics, like getting stuck abroad or something? I'll tell you what my real concern is that I would go over there for two weeks as it's currently scheduled now. And that so many things would kind of be shut down that it would not be the cultural experience that I was hoping to get from going. Mm-hmm. That's really my main concern. And is this your first time to Japan? Well, I was there for about 48 hours while I was shooting the Half Points with oh, Travel Series. Right. And, uh, but it was so quick that uh, I wouldn't consider it a, you know, real, a real visit. Yeah. You, you need two weeks minimum to really start to, to get it all. But yeah, that's, ever, I mean, everybody says yeah. that about Japan. So that, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> So you started TPG about 10 years ago now. You have over 100 employees, which, which by the way, nobody understands that. I think as I was working with you guys, 
everyone assumed I worked directly with you. <laughs> I was, I'm, I, I was tick, I'm tickled by that. Yeah. That people think people come up to me on the street and be like, Oh my God, your China airlines economy review was amazing. I'm like, you think I did that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, there's really no possible way this guy could write 15 reviews a day, <laughs> but uh, that's cool. Anyway, I'm curious why you think, TPG kind of rose to prominence in the miles and travel space instead of some of these other blogs and websites? Yeah, I mean, I think TPG, you know, in the beginning, we took a more mainstream and actually to this day, we take a more mainstream approach like where we are not doing, you know, the gray area, manufactured spend, churn, making people know the inside baseball to get a good deal. I mean, I've always believed like the average person you know, should be getting way more value out of life from their credit cards and doing deals. And, and, you know, I think even in the beginning, the other bloggers never even put their own photos. They were no, they were, they were late to adopt to social media and they were late to put in their own personality. Mm-hmm. You know, if you rev- if you looked at flight reviews before TPG, it was all just the, you know, the technical aspects of a seat. And I don't know, I think we've added some personality to it. Um, and that's Absolutely. what people want, you know, out of a brand that they follow. And I noticed early on, we built a community, like we, I was doing events, um, you know, TPG reader events, you know, just low key hangouts. And those over the years have grown into our big awards bash that we do. Um, but yeah, so having a sense of community, putting yourself out there and letting people know, like, this is what the brand stands for. I think that's what's allowed us to, to grow. And also, I mean, I expanded very quickly. You know, some of the other blogs still are a couple people max, which I give them credit for how they do it. But, you know, I've always wanted to expand, you know, whether it was the UK, which we launched over a year ago and, you know, the app that we're building and, you know, there's, there's more, my dreams in life were not to just be a blogger. Um, I wanted to create a platform that helps people around the world. I don't know, but I think really just breaking it down in common sense, like get this card for these reasons, here's our valuations and here's how we use it. Um, I think has been what's really helped us. I know that pulled me in initially uh, as well. It was very clear. Do you remember your first uh, TV appearance as TPG? Yeah, I was, uh, I nearly fainted. It was uh, Richard Quest. His producer had emailed me, I think it was 2011. I had just quit my job at Morgan Stanley. So I was doing it full time and I got an email. Hey, Richard Quest, you know, uh, wants to talk about, it was weird. It was like, wants to talk about the taxation of frequent flyer miles. Will you come on air? So of course I said, yes. And the day of, I have, I had this huge blister on my lip. Because I, I was so stressed out about it. <laughs> I remember going to a Dwayne Reed in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, where I lived at the time. And I'm trying to like do my own makeup and everything, not realizing that when you went, you know, at the time CNN was in the Time Warner Center, that they had a whole green room and a makeup. And they, so I ended up going in. The, right, make, the makeup right. artist was like, honey, what are you doing to yourself? You look, <laughs> you know, so she just ended up taking out a, she had a spray, uh, what, airbrush, because all the anchors are, you know, they're caked in makeup. She goes, oh, that thing yeah, on your course. lip. And she just like sprayed me down and I looked like this perfect, perfect face. So I went in, but it was actually a remote session. So I wasn't even face to face with Richard. He was in London and he's, you know, very animated and screaming on the other side. And then I just remember them being like three, two, one live. So I'm in a dark closet in Time Warner Center looking into a camera. There was no TV. (laughs) I couldn't even see what, you know, and it's much easier to do an interview when you can look at someone, get their energy. And I just remember I almost fainted. My heart was through my throat. I'm sure I did a terrible job, <laughs> but, um, you know, the first one out of the way, then, I mean, they were still terrifying for a while. It took a very long time for me mm-hmm. to actually get really comfortable in front of the camera. And, and you realize like travel segments, these are not political. They just want to 
get good tips from you. Right. And, and you are the yeah. expert. They're not, they're not there to prove you wrong or, you know, get you on, on camera saying something. So. Sure. But yeah, no, but, but also I think doing press and I was always readily available for press and the New York times, I built on that thing a lot more than my competitors did. And not only did that just get me name brand awareness, you know, people, Oh, I read about you in the New York times every single time I was doing press and still to this day, you get domain authority, you know, in the New York times, Washington post, when they mm, all are right. constantly linking to your site that shot my authority up. So even though I was a new kid on the block with my blog, uh, I had way more backlinks from top tier sources and still, you know, that's, we have a whole team of people now doing press for that reason. So. Well, as a result of these appearances, I imagine you must be recognized on the vast majority of flights you take. It's a good amount nowadays, for sure. It depends on the route. It's funny now, like flight attendants will, uh, on most flights, uh, I would say, yeah, a lot of flights, but definitely in the airport. And I always joke if I'm, my self-esteem is down. I'll go into a, a, a Centurion lounge or a sky club. Cause there's always, <laughs> always TPG readers in there. Uh, but you'd be yeah, surprised. Not, was, point, international yeah. airlines. I don't think they really know who I am. And because I still, I don't go through PR to book flights. I'll, you know, I'll book last minute using my own points or, or pay for them. So, um, but they are getting better about I'm BA my foot, you know, they, they look you up if you're flying in business or for, yeah. So, yeah, I'm like, I'm not, this isn't a gotcha, you know, because our UK team does the four cabin reviews and they're taping it. Most of the time, I'm not, I'm like our worst flight reviewer because I'm always exhausted. <laughs> so I'm always like, don't worry, I'm not, I'm not taping you right now. But yeah. And especially, I mean, I think the real value proposition for business class when you're flying for business is to rest. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Not, not to eat. Especially as I get older, I'm, I'm 37 now. I'm like the jet lag hits harder. You know, having cocktails on a plane and waking up with that dehydrated, it's like, not to say I don't drink at all on planes, but like, you know, the shenanigans that I used to pull, you know, staying up the whole flight to enjoy every single thing on the menu and the luster has worn off, especially nowadays because business class is basically, you know, a very stripped down version of its former self. Sure. You guys get criticized for this a lot. People always are saying, oh, you must be getting free flights. And I know when I did my series, I have to say... I was very impressed at the lengths to which you guys go to book stuff with, I mean, you know, not only your own miles, but I have to say it's very impressive. And, um, but I know that these airlines have like, you know, they have computer systems and stuff that recognize when known staff are traveling. So I wonder like how you contend with that existing and also trying to have unbiased reviews, but knowing that sometimes people want your staff yeah. are flying, that they might be getting, you know, different treatment. You'd be surprised. I mean, I, I know I'm flagged in the system on some airlines, but not all like, you know, we have so many new writers that are, that are doing so. I don't think they're that ahead of the game and to get it down to the flight attendant level where, you know, the flight attendant could, they could be a last minute add on. I don't think like the, That's true. the, is there a journalist or writer from a blog on the plane? I don't think that's part of the debriefing on planes unless, you know, like I will like Delta will invite me to their headquarters and, you know, they sent a Porsche for me at the airport to pick me up. Like, which, you know, I'm a platinum because of my Centurion card, but I knew stuff like that is because, you know, they're marketing people. Of course they want to make me feel good and show me the hospitality or whatever. So, but that's not, that's nothing I'd be like, Oh, Delta now randomly giving people Porsches, you know, that are not right. Right. Um, And yeah, most of our flight, we, you know, we spend a lot of money on Facebook advertising and I still put that on my personal credit cards. And then we use those points to book flights like yours or, you know, all of our flights are pretty much paid for. 
you know, this past year, I flew the residence this past year. I had redeemed miles in first. And I said to Etihad, look, we have a whole crew with us. We're going to the Maldives to do a bunch of reviews. I said, if you upgrade me to the residence, like we're going to do, we're going to shoot some really cool footage. So I did take the upgrade on that. You know, I still redeemed all the points for everyone in the different classes of service. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, back in the day, I did pay the $33,000 for for the residence and expensed it. Right. But, um, you know, things are a little bit tighter nowadays. So but in general, we still use points for pretty much everything we do. Yeah, well, that um, kind of brings me to a segment that I like to do called Explain That Gram. Found one from your feed from... February 2018, where you got to go on the flight deck on a Qatar flight. Yes. And I was just wondering how that works. And is it just, is it something that's just prevented in U.S. airspace by the FAA, but it's kind of just uh, taboo elsewhere? Or how did that work? Yeah. So that was a really interesting flight. Uh, Qatar had invited us to the delivery of their, I think it was A350-1000. So we were, we, we were in a, uh, their CEO was on the flight. And their head of PR, you know, my, my employees were going, I was a last minute addition. I kind of cleared my schedule and I was like, oh, this sounds really cool. Um, so the PR people came up to me on flight and they said, you know, Akbar has allowed, you know, said it's okay for us to let you uh, go up on the flight. I think it was me and Sam Chewy. Uh, so uh, I said, okay. And then, the, you know, the, the pilots were amazing. So I'm sitting over the Swiss Alps, just talking to the pilots about, uh, you know, what it's like to fly. So yeah, it's just an FAA thing. And you own your own airline or, you know, even in the, a private jet, you know, most private jets in the U S yeah. you, the cockpit's open, you know? So it's really right. just a commercial aviation thing post nine 11 that no, you know, in the U S it's very locked down, but you know, when you're flying on a, on a commercial jet with the CEO of a foreign airline, yeah, they're, they're what says, you know, what says go, you know, they, yeah, they can whatever. pull some strings. And yeah, I think they're pretty confident that we were not a security risk. Sure, of course. So I want to hear your your thoughts on something, which is, so TBG makes money, and of course, correct me if I'm wrong, from people signing up for cards as well as ads on the site, et cetera. But what would you say to those who accuse TBG of working too closely with specific banks, you know, that you push cards, which are not necessarily the best, but that are issued by banks that pay you the most? Yeah, I mean, I would say, look, we're definitely a business. You don't pay, uh, and I've been very upfront about that since the time I started. And, you know, a lot of the other bloggers who uh, made fun of me or said I'm a sellout are now all on the payroll as well. Look, you got, you have to figure out a way to be a good business person. We work with every bank. We work with all cards and I can tell you unequivocally banks come to us and we help shape, you know, uh, top deals in the market. We help people get the best value out of them. Look, is there, are there ways to, to trick the credit card companies to do private browsing, to sign up for a credit card in your dog's name? Like, yes, you can do that, but it's, you know, it's, it's a high risk game. Um, so in general, we've taken the, the route of we're going to work with these companies. We'll still promote an offer we don't get paid for. We're working one, you know, we know budgets are tight and uh, there's a credit card coming out this week. That's not going to be in the affiliate network, but we're really excited about. Um, so we you know, we're obviously going to write about that. So most of the credit card offers, we actually at TPG have had exclusive offers. We've we've got one coming out soon. That's pretty exciting with how we packaged it. But in general at TPG, you know, Capital One Venture, we had the first ever 75,000 point offer two years ago on that card, Mm -hmm. only on TPG. We've had city offers. We're working with others. So in general, I think we actually get better offers for our readers, but you know, are there ways that you know, through personal referrals, targeted offers that you people could get something better. 
Yes, but I think that's few and far between. And by and large, we we say if you want to read our content's free, you know how expensive even with using yeah. points to send yeah. 20 people to do flight reviews of every major airline, it's a oh, huge yeah. cost. And we do. We yeah. pay our employees very well. We, they're paid more than the average journalist, um, which is why I think we've been able to get so many high end uh, writers in the space. So. But yeah, I mean, I would say, look, whenever you're researching anything, go to multiple sources. If you're looking for a credit card and we recommend it, like do some research and make sure that, you know, whether you log into your own account and maybe have a targeted offer. There's I'm not saying that, you know, TPG is always the best offer. That's where I want to get us to be. I want us to have personalized offers for all of our readers. Sure. But, um, you know, yes, we make money and I have zero qualms about that. And we do more charity work than, yeah. than anyone else in the space by a long shot. Good answer. <laughs> I mean, I'll say from my personal experience, I've never been targeted on any of those card match tools for yeah. anything more exceptional than I found on, on your website or yeah. others. So. The card match is really just Amex at this point. And, and if you aren't existing Amex card holder, it's very difficult to get one of the top offers. They, that is evolving. They are, you know, we're, everyone in the industry is working to, to make sure that they want to do more personalized offers for people. Um, but it is still pretty rudimentary in terms of like, uh, the offers that are in there and, and who's eligible. Do you find that that the miles and points game, the hobby as it's called, <laughs> is leaving like modest spenders in the dust with transitions to five twenty four and heavy incentives on high spending? Look, it's changing for sure. There's still a ton of credit cards you can get. You know, the average person can still be raking in not just the sign up bonuses, but also like how many new category bonuses there are. Like you go to, you don't go to any other country right now. It's nuts. Like there's so many. So just the average moderate spender can still be raking in tons and tons of points um, by being smart about the cards that they use. And we're actually our TPG app, which is launching next year. will actually, we're going to have analytics and tools built in. So you can set a goal and we'll actually help you. We have a whole thing on missed rewards where, where you're missing out based on where you want to go. Cause it is so confusing with so many rotating categories, new categories, temporary. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the game's changing, but there's still the average person can can take incredible trips for a fraction of the cost. That is still true, especially now that you know with COVID and saver award availability is. I'm going to Tahiti and I have I'm flying United and Air Tahiti Nui saver. Wow, that's awesome! Uh, and I'm staying at the Conrad for eighty nine thousand Hilton points a night. Oh, and also by the way, Amex you know to Hilton is now one thousand to twenty eight hundred. You know, so it's like oh. It's, you know, increased earning and spending. I actually think the next several years sure. will be a great time to get tons of value. So in general, people say, oh, it's changing and no, oh, it's over. The, the game has always been changing. So smart it's people that evolving. stay, you know, stay that one step ahead, you know, who reap the rewards. I'm glad you brought up the TPG app because I know um, it's, it's, a, it's a tool that doesn't exist in the capacity that I've heard about it so far. And what are you guys doing, if anything, to kind of build in the ability to help people actually find, find flights? I know you guys bought Expert Flyer, which is, you know, a service that helps you find availability. And I'm assuming there's going to be some integration. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we're going to launch a TPG app in early 2021. The goal of the TPG app will be similar to what Robinhood has done with stock trading and putting everything in one spot. And you can look at the stocks that you have relevant news. Uh, you can track, track different things. That's what I, the goal for the TPG app will be. You can track all your points and set goals. So we'll have, we're building our own proprietary engines that will 
that will look at your spend and then give you the best recommendations. If you're about to make a mistake, if you're in uh, a Target and you're going to pay with a certain card, we can actually tell you, actually, you want to go to Bora Bora and you need some more Hilton. And there's this rotating category here. Oh, and by the way, make sure you shop online because you'll get an extra X points, which so many people still don't know about. Yeah. So that's so cool. The app, it's a beast to do this because unlike, you know, an OTA, most airlines, they file their fares. You can go to Expedia, Google Flights. You're going to pull in most airlines with some discrepancies. When it comes to loyalty, every airline is different. And they, you know, these loyalty programs are multi-billion dollar profit centers. And so historically, you know, with the Ward Wallet, they cease and desisted them. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. They don't want people coming close. Yeah. So Ward Wallet can't track Southwest. They physically can. It's a very simple technical solution. But the industry historically has said to any third party apps, you can't uh, scrape our award availability. You can't scrape our loyalty balances. We are taking a very consumer first approach, a traveler, pro traveler. We think, you know, we are we want more people traveling, more people earning points, more people using points. We know that the more people that engage with loyalty and points, the better it is for the travel industry, the better it is for the credit card companies. Stay tuned for the exact, you know, what we launch very at the first, at first, it won't be our final product, of course, but we are going to come out with a product that's going to reshape the way, save people tons of time and give them the information that they need to actually get to their travel goals. Because so many people have tons of points all over the place. I'm flying using Aeroplan from Amex is something that 90% of Amex people don't even know that they should do that versus booking right. through Amex directly. So is that your favorite use of Amex points? By I the mean, way, I love Aeroplan. Aeroplan is a great program. They some changes yeah. happening now, but uh, I have to say over the years, I love Lufthansa first class. I usually book last minute mm-hmm. anyway. So, uh, you know, it's a shame that Lufthansa, you know, the, the 380 and the 747 are going away probably, I but know. you know, that's why yeah. it's like, you just got to, I actually, I used to say, oh, I travel too much. I'm exhausted. And now I'm like, you know, I have zero regrets. <laughs> you know, now, I think that's what COVID has really showed like that when you have an opportunity to travel and certainly I'm very fortunate to be able to do so as my job. And I, I think what travel is teaching all of us, it's like, let's, when you have that opportunity, take advantage of it. And I, I do think that's the change once people start traveling again is okay. Cancun's nice. And you know what you're going to get, but come on, push yourself, do Machu Picchu instead, or Lima, like yeah. get those experiences. Cause yeah. you know, it's, it can, could all be taken away. Yeah. Do, is there a region that you consider to be like the points and miles, Holy grail? Like once you book and almost all expenses covered by points stay in say the Maldives, would you say, okay, now this person graduates to points expert level, you know, Maldives and some people hate it. Some people don't know why it's so hyped up. Uh, Maldives are amazing. I would say really Asia though, because the flights from the US and first class are always wildly expensive. And then once you get to Asia, you get great hotels. Even at the mid-tier hotel level, you're getting a five-star experience sometimes, four-star. Um, and then the Asian hospitality and culture, you're really, your mind is being flipped upside down. Um, you know, Tokyo is my first place when I, the day I left Morgan Stanley, when I left those turnstiles to do the Point Sky full-time in 2011, I went straight to Tokyo in June. And I stayed at the Park Hyatt and I flew, uh, actually I flew Delta, but it changed my life. And the way that I think about that, that hotel spread at the Park Hyatt and getting free at the time, Hyatt Diamond Martinis and the New York bar. And (laughs) I remember being like, wow, this is like, you know, being on a 50 floor hotel lobby, looking over Tokyo, like to me, I think a lot of people have that similar in Thailand and Vietnam. So I kind of think doing Asian points is like the, 
most bang for your buck region. Yeah. But Maldives for sure. There's something, you know, we live these hectic lives to be on a speck of sand in the middle of the Indian ocean. It's just, and I'm a scuba diver. So I've had some incredible, although not my best dives in the Maldives, really amazing dives in the Maldives. So yeah, I, I, everyone I talk to, you know, you could, some people hate on the Maldives. Oh, it's so far and it's overrated. But uh, I think most people who go, especially on points, even though you're going to spend 800 bucks on a seaplane, you're getting a room on points and, you know, it's still an incredible value. Do you like uh, the Maldives more than, uh, say, Bora Bora or, uh, let's see, Seychelles? They have overwater. Yeah, I have, yeah. well, they, I haven't been this. They don't really have overwater in Seychelles, but um, I, I, okay. I haven't done, I've done Seychelles and Mauritius right in the beginning of the point sky. So I, haven't, I need to go back. I've done Bora Bora once and I went to the Brando and French Polynesia and, and the St. Regis. You know, Bora Bora is beautiful and it's really, you know, eight and a half hour, well, Tahiti and then a, an hour flight. Uh, it's much, much closer to most parts of the U.S. than the Maldives. Um, I had, you know, the lagoon there. You can actually leave your resort. And, you know, we did a uh, wave runner ride around, a tour around Bora Bora, beach shacks, hiking. You know, at the Maldives, you really are boxed in at a resort. Uh, you know, some resorts yeah. only have a couple restaurants. So by the end of six days, you're like, okay, I've tried every overpriced item. But, right, but right. the Maldives, really, there is something just spectacular about being on this little piece of sand. In the, in the middle of the, yeah. you know, no cars. yeah. So Bora Bora is similar to that. You know, you, you still have, it's in a lagoon and you have to take a boat, uh, to your resort, which is, you know, no cars on it. But, um, so they're, they're pretty equal to me, but, um, I've, I've done the Maldives, I think six times, uh, and I've done Bora Bora. I'll be going for the second time soon. So maybe ask me after my second trip. I'm actually also doing Morea, the Island of Morea, which is Oh yeah. Uh, and it's whale season from July through October. So I'm going, uh, and hopefully we'll be swimming with humpbacks and scuba is amazing. So, uh, TBD, but, uh, they're both incredible. When, when you do a lot of scuba, you're supposed to wait, uh, what is it? 24 hours after your last time fly afterwards. Yeah. And interestingly, my first time diving was in the Maldives and my dive computer was instead of being set to dive mode, it, it was the setting was wrong where it was like I was diving without air. So it, it said <laughs> yeah. my, no, you know, it said I had to wait three days so till I could fly again because the computer was like, what oh. the heck? He was just down. And I didn't realize it in the hotel, you know, the hotel was like, no, the, whatever the dive computer says. And I couldn't understand oh, wow. why. So I ended up getting stranded there. I had to stay an extra three days, which. Would have been fine, although it was rainy. See, I went in October and it was rain. Oh, it rained every yeah. day, and I was like, I got. I, I wanted to go to Sri Lanka. I, want, I was like, let me at least uh, go somewhere where I can explore. But, but yes, yeah, so you wait a day after you dive. You're supposed to wait. You know, your ears yeah. are adjusting. Um, you know, when you fly in. Uh, I actually had a weird experience in Maui once where I had a, a normal dive, and then I felt like I had water in my ear, and I ended up get, going deaf in my right ear for two weeks. Whoa. Yeah, it was Whoa. really scary. I remember like. I finally came back yeah. to Miami, went to the best ear doctor at the University of Miami, and he had to take a syringe into my eardrum and pump it with uh, steroids. And he's like, if this doesn't work, you know, you might just have to get used to being deaf in one ear. And it's really weird, like driving in my car, I couldn't hear anyone in the car because it was my right ear. So oh. luckily it just... But it just came right it, back. It came back within three days of that syringe. It just started to crack. Okay. It crackled open while I was at dinner one night. I was like... <laughs> I think it jumped onto my chair and like screamed hallelujah. Oh, yeah. It was, and I, yeah. I took two years off from diving, but when I went back to the Maldives again, my, and I talked to the same doctor, he goes, Brian, it was a freak incident. Like you got everything in life has risks and you're going to the Maldives and you love diving, like live your life. So since then, no yeah. issues, knock on wood. Awesome. Do you ever think about 
obviously people like see your life and just to a lesser degree mine. And it's like, man, traveling everywhere and particularly, you know, flying first in business class and glamorizing that lifestyle. And do you think about the impact that glamorizing that has on the people that follow you? And what do you think that impact is? Yeah. I mean, I think the impact is that's the reason I do what I do. I let people know it's not just look at me and here's a picture of me having champagne. It's here's how I did it with 80,000 American Airlines miles to go business class to Tahiti. And it was $5.60 for my flight next week to Bora Bora. It's you can do this too. And, and you can, right? I've never had a single person who ended up getting into the points game say, oh, well, I got all these points and they couldn't use them. Some people may be sure. confused on What do you mean, Amex? When I called them, they said that it would be a million points. I'm like, no, read this guide. And <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so the whole point of my Instagram and my life, is not look at me and look how rich I am. It's look what I can do that you can do as well. And that's why we have so many detailed step-by-step guides. You search mm-hmm. for anything, the best way to use Amex points, the best way to get to Bora Bora. We have our smart team of writers. We've written it out for pretty much every destination, every loyalty program, yeah. constantly updating it. Um, and that's what I, that's the joy of it. When people come up to me, it's, you know, not just, oh, can I have a picture? It's, oh, by the way, every single person I meet for the most part will say, holy crap, I ended up going to South Africa to the safari lodge you went to and changed my life. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. so that's, that's the joy. That's why I do what I do. I, you know, I sold the points guy in 2012. We then got acquired by Red Ventures in 2017. I have had a really great run at this. Like, and I, Mm-hmm. I love doing what I do. I, I firmly believe I'm here to help people travel. We help millions of people travel. We, you know, we help tons of charities. Uh, so that's why I keep doing what I do. It's, you know, I have the ability, I could just be traveling around the world right now, but I, I feel very strongly that, you know, we're just getting started in terms of, especially now with COVID and helping the industry rebound, helping travelers really get a sense of what is going on. Uh, I'm, I'm still very passionate about helping people travel and it is exceptionally gratifying to help somebody have an experience uh like that that they would not have otherwise had i i've had a couple Mm -hmm. and it's awesome every time but some people i think particularly in the influencer community uh they certainly don't communicate as well how they've been able to make some of this stuff happen either because a it's comped by the airline Mm -hmm. or because frankly, <laughs> I don't think that they have the writing skills, some of these people to succinctly explain, you know, how they're using their miles of points, if that is in fact what they're doing. So I wonder like if you, ha- if you could comment on that, because I do feel like there's this fakeness that's kind of being perpetuated in the travel influencer community by those who, who are less invested in actually explaining how it works from a miles of points perspective, who are just like, look at me, I'm flying first class. Well, I will say... It is hard to explain complex things like miles and points via an Instagram caption, right? In the world we live in, we're on a scroll where you've got like a split second to get someone's attention and get their like. And, you know, I think some, a lot of influencers are amazing at responding to DMs. I still go through my DMs all the time and I really try to help people where possible. Um, and it is challenging. I mean, it, look, and some influencers are not miles and points people. If they're getting comped by Maldives tourism and they're at amazing overwater bungalows and they're there to spur interest in a destination, then power to them. People love to hate on influencers. Certainly there are bad influencers out there, especially ones that are like partying during a pandemic and causing countries to shut down and like in, yeah. in Greece and whatnot. And there's, I think as an influencer, you should have responsibility when you travel. But by and large, I think we 
we hold people to, to such a different standard than a celebrity or someone else, you know, Dubai pays Angelina Jolie to go walk or Nicole or no, it's actually Gwyneth Paltrow. You know, they pay her millions of dollars and she does posts for a year from Dubai to promote the tourism. And like no one bats an eye that there's, you know, but it's an aspirational shot of Gwyneth on the, and that's what it does. That's the point of marketing. We're marketed in everything. So I think yeah. people hate travel influencers because it's like, Oh, they get to go on free vacation. And, and there is just a sense of jealousy there. And I've had, I've experienced it from day one. I now, you know, I know how to deal with it, but it, it is tough on it. Influencers yeah. are people too. And people, people are, you know, there is just this jealousy aspect that permeates every part of social media, but uh, I don't know. I just think to people, if you, if there's an influencer who you don't like, or they're not giving enough info or transparency, then just unfollow them. I mean, it's sure to me that I completely agree with that. I mean, Hey, the unfollow button is there. Yeah. Do you think, and maybe you got this on your Croatia trip, but do you think we're kind of entering into this period of time now where people who do start to travel before the vast majority of the public does will kind of experience this travel shaming you know, I was shocked. I, you know, I had some travel shaming when I went to Antigua in June. That was my first international trip. And I was just like, how is this going to work? Like the, the testing, yeah. but 99 out of hundred questions were really like, wait, where'd you get your test? Did it have to be nasal? Is it antibody test? Rapid antibody, mm. rapid PCR. Like there's a lot that I was and for me to travel. It actually helped me understand the process so I can explain it better. And when I went to Croatia, I don't think I got a single negative comment. And those stories, I mean, because I was traveling in a beautiful place, I was getting 55,000 views and up on my stories. You know, I think I actually said at one point, you know, the only person in their feed traveling. I know, right? (laughs) And people were sharing it. So it was great for engagement, but um, I don't think I had a single, the only negative question, I did a reel where I was like, oh, I was, it was on Virgin Atlantic. It was empty. I was like one of five passengers. I was like, how nice, you know, traveling during a pandemic isn't as bad as I thought. Tongue in cheek, yeah. but then a lot of people in the industry were like, Brian, an empty plane is horrible for uh, people being yeah. fired. I'm mm-hmm. like, no, 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 I didn't mean it as an, I, certainly from an environmental, no one wants empty planes flying. Yeah. Yeah. Objectively, it's nice if you're the, exactly. You're and I was just thinking about in that, you know, no, no lines in the airport, no one crowding anything. So, but, you know, so you have to, there's high emotions everywhere, which you have to understand and you have to have a thick skin to do, to do this. But, in general, people were like, and I, I have tons of people who are there now saying, thank you. Thank you. My honeymoon was canceled. We saw your trip to Croatia and saw how easy and beautiful it was. And there was award seats. We ended up booking and we're having the time of our lives. So um, that's cool to me. Uh, and I, yeah. there's even a, a high, I'm helping a very senior person in the airline industry is, is taking her family to Croatia right now. And she used the same tour guide that I did and booked the same nice. hotel. So it's, it is cool to get back to, you know, the credit card industry, you know, we've kind of taken a break. It's been a tough year for business, but it's actually kind of good to just get back to yeah. basics and travel is what I love and, and helping yeah. people navigate this really complex travel time. Kind of speaking to that point of taking a little bit of a step back from the miles and points world, just as things are evolving so much right now, where do you see them going? If there are any really big trends that you, that you forecast to be, you know, huge in the next year or so. And I will say from my point of view, it seems like particularly Chase and Amex are putting a lot more emphasis on trying to get people to book with, through their own platforms, like through the Ultimate Rewards portal. And so I'm just curious what your take is on where these programs are going. So credit card programs, I think they're just, you know, 
they're going to come back. Aspirational luxury travel is what is the linchpin of, of so many of these programs. Otherwise, everyone would just do cash back, right? And these loyalty, they doubled down on the loyalty programs. I mean, Amex just bought a billion dollars worth of Hilton points. Delta just sold a bunch to Amex. Um, Delta just recently, you know, Delta, United, and American have all kind of mortgaged their loyalty programs or used them as collateral to get uh, loans right. much cheaper than the capital markets. So the programs aren't going away. Um, they're in fact saving the industry. If you look at it from a certain yeah. perspective, I think sure. the the credit card companies have a challenge. People have points and they're not traveling and may not for several years. So how do you oh, continue to keep people engaging and redeeming in non-travel environments? So I suspect there'll be more, uh, you know, Chase Sapphire is letting people use their points at one and a half cents each, normally only on travel, but now on groceries and other categories. I can see them extending a lot of these uh, easier ways to make your points more liquid um, yeah. than just, you know, hoping people transfer them. So, I mean, I think in general, people will start traveling more for leisure, certainly. But, you know, Hyatt just came out from the work from hotel packages. You know, Thailand yeah. is thinking about, you know, normally it's a 90-day tourist visa. I can see countries changing the, the normal tourist visa to nine months or a year. You know, why have a whole churn of tourists coming in and out that could be bringing in the virus when you could actually have people stay and work longer? Uh, you know, we've yeah. seen Barbados and a bunch of other countries try to say, hey, come work for, you know, for a year from, from our country. Uh, why say, you know, why be in expensive, cold New York City with no restaurants when you could be in paradise working for six months or a year? So I think people will, right. will be taking longer, more meaningful trips. Um, and you're, you're trying to remind all your employees that, uh, well, because you have a very cool office in New York, that's why you should not do that. Well, you know, a lot of our employees have moved. I may myself, you know, spend the winter because we're Red Ventures, our parent company, very conservative. We're not going to make anyone come back, you know, before it's there's the risk is really gone. So it's a shame because we just built this beautiful 30,000 square foot headquarters on Fifth Avenue in New York. We had a roof yeah. deck that we were going to supposed to be partying in. Um, so oh, we moved man. in in November and we shut down in March. So we had a you know, we had our, a winter in the office, but uh, that's the way it is. I think a lot of my employees are, are traveling domestically, seeing family, saving money on rent. So, you know, we've certainly learned a lot about pushing ourselves. You know, we're working 100% remote and traffic's up and business is, is coming back as we speak. There's going to be some excitement in the credit card markets this fall. Um, still lots of unknown in the space, uh, but there's we're excited. We've got you know, even our TPG award show, which was, this will be our third year. Instead of doing a big fancy award show on an aircraft carrier, we're actually going to be um, doing four different award weeks, uh, cruises, airlines, hotels, and credit cards, where we're actually going to be going behind the scenes of innovation in each of those categories. So our awards, oh, instead cool. of being one night, will be kind of a month of, of content and unique uh, access. So pushing us to innovate nice. and we can do all this luckily, you know, remotely. So I do look forward to getting back in the office at a certain point, but uh, it's not, not anytime soon for us. Uh, where are you at the moment? I am currently, I so I grew up um, in a, a town called Jamison, Pennsylvania, Bucks County. Uh, people know New Hope is the town closest to where I have, I about three years ago bought a house right near where my parents live and my two older brothers so, um, yeah, I'm in the woods. I've got this great house that uh, normally was just a weekend house. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, I pretty much camped out here during quarantine. And I am a city person, but I'm also equally a I love I've been horseback riding. I have a bunch of land here and 
take things down a couple notches. So, so yeah, yeah. so it's been a really great place. It's an hour and a, 60 miles from New York city. So actually right after this, I'll drive into the city and, you know, got friends and my trainer there. So it's kind of the unique, unique way to live in 2020, but it's not so bad. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. So a lot of the people who, who get interested in the hobby from my work and presumably from yours as well, a question I get all the time is like, which card should I start with? So I kind of want to get into some more card specific stuff because I haven't talked to you mm-hmm. too much about that. So, um, what do you recommend for beginners who are trying to start into this game? Well, I would recommend, uh, the Chase Sapphire preferred as a $95 card, 60,000 point bonus, uh, is kind of a, an easy starting point. You know, even though the reserve, uh, at $450 seems like big sticker shock, but you know, you get, you get the $300 credit and, and a bunch of other perks. I think getting in with like the Sapphire preferred is a no brainer, especially because the sign up bonus is larger. Um, but nowadays, mm-hmm. I mean, I really think the Amex gold with 4X on dining and uh, bonus on groceries is a, a solid bet. I don't, you know, I, I see people's trepidation paying $550 for a platinum card when you're not traveling. Um, yeah. And then also the, the blue cash preferred with up to 6% back on groceries. Uh, the Amex, yeah. I think, is one that people often overlook. But what I'll say, too, is if you're not, if you're not traveling and don't really have any uh, need to, I, you know, a city double cash card is hard to beat where you're getting basically 2% back cash on all of your spend. Yeah. No, no fancy, no big sign up bonus. But, uh, you know, 2% back is pretty solid. Um, that should be a baseline for every dollar I spend. I should be getting at least two cents in value. And if not, then I should put it on a city double cash. Obviously, once you start to really understand points and miles, your own valuation of each points currency, I think drastically affects how you spend money on your cards. But what are your cards that you're using the most often? You know, I, have, I still have a city prestige and I put my dining on that, which is five X. Um, you know, even though they changed the fourth night free and watered it down, it's still super valuable. You know, even though you get two a year now, um, where did I just use? Oh, I used one in, uh, in Croatia. I booked a penthouse, uh, for two bedroom penthouse at the coolest hotel on the Island of Havar. I had a bunch of friends there. It was humongous. It was like $1,500 a night. So I used my city fourth night free. And then I used some, a bunch of city points to kind of pay for the rest, even though it's not the best per point value to be able to kind of book whatever hotel you want and save pretty, pretty solidly on it for four night stays is pretty good. Um, but Amex yeah. gold, I, I was using a ton. I think I'm actually going to get the, the blue cash preferred for, for, uh, the grocery spend. Cause I'm spending more on groceries now yeah. than ever before. Yeah. But yeah, I think between Amex gold and city prestige, uh, those have been two that I spend a lot on, uh, do you think you get the most value from the fortnight free credit? Is that probably the perk that you just find to be the most valuable? Yeah, because I love expensive hotels. I am a brat. I've, I've been around, you know, that's, <laughs> you know, even when I went to the Waldorf Astoria in December, I booked the most ridiculous villa, the Stella Maris suite. And it was, oh, I saw I, that. That was cool. I think it was $5,000 a night and got the fortnight free, still an ungodly amount of money, but I, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I mean, saved you five thousand dollars. Yeah, That's pretty crazy. So, so you know, and it's I still do spend a, quite a bit of my personal money on travel. Um, and as someone who really likes unique experiences in hotels, uh, it's tough for me to just you know if I'm going to fly all the way to the Maldives, 
I've seen and done so much. So to just get a standard, you know, uh, beach villa, especially for really special trips, that's uh, for me to splurge. So that's where the city prestige kind of gives that flexibility. For for readers listening right now, don't uh, don't roll your eyes too much. This is the points guy we're talking about. <laughs> standard beach villa in the Maldives. It's amazing. Well, actually, I will say I'm, when I'm staying in a. I'm going to Bora Bora and Morea by myself and I will, uh, I'm just booking regular. I actually prefer a beach villa over a regular overwater villa. Interesting. Why? Yeah. You know, they're bigger. I actually like the beach being able to walk on the beach at night and stuff. A lot of times when you say in an overwater villa, you know, you kind of have to take a golf cart if you're at the way end. Yeah, true. I just like being on a beach. So some overwater villas, depending on the tide, it's not as fancy as you like. Also I scuba dive. So I'm in the water for four hours in the morning. I don't necessarily need to be snorkeling by my bungalow when I had just seen yeah, sharks true. and whales. And, you know, so I know it sounds, sounds snobby. I, I don't blame people who do love, you know, it, it is one of a kind to wake up and feel like you're floating on an ocean and, and to be able to go in the water. But for privacy and space, the, the beach villas are actually, I think, uh, just as good. And, a better value yeah. proposition. How many cards do you have open right now? It's a good question. I think I'm down to about 20. I trimmed some before uh, the quarantine. There were a lot of cards that I had like, you know, category one to four free nights that I just wasn't using. Mm-hmm. Um, and it became really onerous to uh, to keep track of it all. It kind of want yeah. to simplify things down a little bit, but I'm looking to get now. I'm about to get United 1K. I think I'm going to get the United Infinite card, which has a 100,000 point bonus uh, for the next couple of weeks. So yeah, there's, and some of the, now that I'm staying at Hilton's, uh, I may actually get the Aspire card, which I didn't even realize I didn't have. As I'm going to Bora Bora, there's award availability and I could have used, you know, the free weekend nights are now good at any night of the week. So I actually would have saved a ton of money if I would have had the, uh, some of the Hilton cards with free nights. So, um, but yeah, I, I have a weekly newsletter now and my new, my updated card strategy will be on the, uh, on this week's, uh, newsletter. And for people who, don't we have a daily newsletter at TPG and then I now write our, our Saturday with just my thoughts on the industry or different topics. Oh, cool. Yeah. I think uh, it trips a lot of people up just thinking about credit scores. I know so many people are really concerned that uh, getting a credit card or two or particularly three, four or five will really damage their credit. So I would love to hear your take on why that's not the case because it, it certainly hasn't been the case for me and no. kind of in a perverse way, it's gotten even better with the more cards that I have. It is. I mean, and that's, I mean, I encourage people to educate yourself on how FICO works. So FICO scores, you know, there's five key components and, you know, paying your bills on time and, and keep having more available credit and using less of it. So having your utilization ratio as low as possible, those are what keeps the, the two, 40% of your score. Um, so the more cards you have, the more available credit that is being given to you and the less that you use of it, and especially paying it off every month in full, the better you are. So there's a two to five point kind of hard inquiry per new credit card you get, but that is easily, as long as you pay that bill on time and you pay it off almost right away, the positive impact of, of that account, uh, will outweigh that, that negative ding. So I wouldn't recommend people, if you're getting a mortgage, you're in that process or about to, don't all of a sudden apply for new cards. It could kind of complicate the process. But if you're not about to apply for a mortgage, you've got good credit and you most importantly can pay your bills off in full every month, which is the key to winning at the points game. You're carrying balances yeah. on these 20% APR cards you're losing. So if you're in debt, yeah. 
I would highly, I was in debt before I started this game and it was like quicksand that the best journey you can take is getting to financial freedom. So focus on that first, instead of getting points, you may want to get a card with a 0% APR, pay that balance down, get out of that debt. And then once, you know, if you are, you know, you feel confident that you're not going to overspend if you get, you know, 20,000 in new credit, then, and then pay the bills off. That's, that's where you win in the game. And not a single person that I've talked to, you know, throughout 10 years of doing this, millions of people we've helped. No one has said, well, my score actually went down, even though I did all the right things. So, uh, but it can be credits tricky, but educate yourself. But the good thing is the more cards you get in general, uh, the higher your score will go as long as you take good care of those accounts. Yeah. Well, uh, just knocking off a couple of things that I think uh, people would want to know, given your authority in this space uh, before we kind of wrap things up here. But which products have you not flown that you'd really like to, uh, uh, as we kind of start to travel more out of this pandemic? I would really like to Oman Air. I have not flown and I really want to go to Oman. Uh, so that's definitely high up there. Uh, I have an A&A's new first and their new business class, which looks amazing. Yeah. I have not flown. So that's definitely yeah. up there. Don't remind me. Yeah. I'm about Sorry. to cancel my tickets. <laughs> uh, those are the two big ones. I don't think there's any others. I mean, LATAM's new seat looks kind of nice, but nothing like I'm too crazy to crazy to fly. So yeah, those are the top ones I would say. I have kind of an odd question, which is something I've always wanted to do is just show up at the airport, buy a ticket with miles and you know, make a video about it. Yeah. But I've heard, uh, I've read, I was reading some some threads on Flyer Talk that with that 24 hour potential like ticketing period, it can, it can be an issue. So I wanted to ask you it, cause I figure you must have shown up, shown up at the airport and booked a ticket with miles. Well, I, I've never gone to the airport with the, just a bag and said, where can I go? I, you know, I'm talking with a, I've actually recently partnered up with the production company and I'm thinking about, uh, doing a travel show. And there are some concepts that involve, you know, letting people on Instagram decide where I go and, so I've never done it, but I have quite frequently if I'm flying business class on Cathay and expert flyer alerts me that first opened up or on a later flight, I usually change. So I can't imagine. I mean, if you've got the points, you know, American Airlines sometimes takes a while to do international ticketing on partners, but you can usually call and get it sped up. Also at the ticketing desk, they can speed things up. So um, no, I think you'd be able to do it uh, with relative ease. Most, most programs will let you ticket pretty quickly. I wouldn't try doing sure. it less than two hours before an international flight. Uh, <laughs> I have done that before to get on other ones that are better, but, and it can create issues, especially if you're checked in. Yeah. But, right. But yeah, you can you definitely do it. One last question for you, which is kind of a two part question, which is what impact has travel had on you and what impact do you believe travel has on the world? So personally, I have, I think, I mean, my whole worldview has changed through travel, but not necessarily from, getting to drink, you know, Dom from the shower of an Emirates A380, however fun that is. But through travel, I actually got um, about six years ago, a friend introduced me to an organization called Peace Jam, which um, brings Nobel Peace Prize winners to kids around the world. Basically, their platform to teach the next generation of youth on how to be nonviolent, you know, impactful leaders. And through that, we started donating our frequent flyer miles. And as part of that, I got to travel, um, and we now support this program in Guatemala, Ghana, Liberia, South Africa, and East Timor. And I've been able to travel to those destinations with Nobel Peace Prize winners, like these people who have ended civil wars 
Lema Bowie, who, uh, you know, helped end the Liberian Civil War. She's one of the most incredible human souls that I've ever met. You know, she really, as a, as a mom, saw child soldiers in Liberia being used to torture and rape. And she has dedicated her life to bringing together women to, you know, to help end the war. And so through travel, I've been able to like travel with her. You know, she speaks at our Ghana uh, conferences and I've been to Liberia with her where she's basically a, you know, she's like Mother Teresa. She's, you know, being able to, and being in Guatemala with Rigoberta Menchu Tum, who's the only indigenous person to ever receive the Nobel Peace Prize. I get chills thinking about it, but these powerful people, you know, and we bring them to kids around the world and being able to travel along with that and bring my parents. My parents used to always say to me, they'd be worried, you know, you're going to Ghana, be careful. And I would always say to them, I mean, I, and when you're in Ghana, I mean, the people, I feel way safer in Ghana than I do in so many parts of the U.S. where we have such gun violence issues and being able to bring my parents with me to Ghana and then, you know, on safari in Kenya, where I got to see my mom, like, you know, when a lion walks up to you on safari and you're just like petrified and also mystified at the same time. And so travel has allowed me to, you know, I think uh, connect with causes way greater than me and kind of put things in perspective. And I do, I've wanted to build TPG to be bigger and more successful because we donate more to charity then. And we use our platform for numerous causes to raise awareness. But also it's like with my parents reconnecting us. Like I now, I love it. I take my parents every year on around the world trips and seeing them in the airport, following me, like I'm their parent. It's kind of funny how the roles reverse and we've just, you know, my parents have given me so much. So that's how I've been impacted. And I think in general travel, you know, changes the way, you know, for some, you know, it's sad to see the division of racism where people of different countries are pitted against each other. And we hear it so much in our media around the world, not just the U.S. And I think when people finally get out of their comfort zone and you go to Mexico and you actually go off the beaten path and meet people and you realize, wait a minute, these people are amazing. We're all the same people. We all like a good meal. We all want security for our families. We all want to just, you know, be able to provide for ourselves. And that's the same anywhere you go. Um, And that to me, I think as people travel, and I think miles and points helps people push people to, you know, let me go to, uh, you know, Bangladesh or, the, you know, Vietnam. And I had so many vets who I know who have served in the Vietnam War have gone back and experienced the culture and the hospitality. So that's the type of stuff that I, I truly do believe deep down that the more people travel, the, the better people we become. That's Brian Kelly. You can find him on Instagram at Brian Kelly. And if you see him in an Amex Centurion Lounge, make sure you say thank you. If you enjoyed the show, it would mean a lot if you leave a review or share it with someone who might find it interesting. Doing this actually helps me out a lot. Feel free to reach out to me on social with any questions or comments about the show. Once again, I'm Ian Agrimis wishing you smooth travels. Peace.